whatever I do in life, I recalibrate to that all the time. There I was working full time and I was a master student and pregnant with my my second child. What worked for me there was just fusing what is common. They say you never really know someone's story until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And on Hungry Women at Work, we do our best to get a glimpse of the miles or the kilometers walked by women in different spheres of life. Hello there, and thank you for joining me, Navelia Malloy, on our 10th episode. How exciting is that? 10 episodes in. Now, when I was 23 years old, I became the editor of a large national customer magazine. I was obviously quite young in the role and I inherited a team of very experienced creatives. One of them was a woman who was about 10 years my senior and she was also a mom of three kids. I'll call her Anna. Anna was highly creative and an exceptionally talented person and she had been at the small company for just over five years. Because of the size of the company, it was clear that there was really not much that would happen by way of career growth or a huge salary increase for Anna. Many times I asked her why she wasn't applying to larger organizations that had greater career prospects. Her answer was always the same. And honestly, I couldn't understand it at the time. I left the organization about after two years um, and I moved to a larger company that had much better prospects for me. Anna remained behind. I met up with her about five years later, by which stage I had grown into a more senior role at the company that I was at. She told me she was still at the same company and although she at least had a somewhat adjusted salary, she was essentially still in the same role. I asked her the question again, why do you stay? And I got the same answer again. I stay because the office is very close to our home and they give me a lot of flexibility to be there for my kids and to even work from home if I need to. Again, back then, I honestly didn't fully understand why such a creative, talented woman would, in my opinion, settle It was only in the last four years since becoming a working mom myself that I finally understood and had such respect for Anna's decision. This episode has a particular bias to working mothers. But let's just get one thing straight. All mothers are essentially working mothers because you know it doesn't matter where you are. As a mom, you are on the go, you're on the move, you are working. The only difference is really the office location and the income stream. And our guest today is a working mother who's in academia. And after talking to her, I must say, I just felt smarter because I spoke to her. How cool is that? Rochelle Jacobs is a statistics lecturer who's achieved phenomenal things, both in the corporate financial sector and even in her own academic career. But she says her family's well-being is at the core of her career plan. The interview was telephonic, so I have to apologize if there are a few lost sounds here or there. 
But like me, I think you'll be inspired by her insights on how to balance the many roles of a working mom. And if you are not a working mom, please don't check out. Please stay tuned in. Um, I encourage you to take a listen because perhaps you'll get perspective a lot sooner than I did with my colleague Anna. Take a listen. Hello, Rochelle Jacobs, and welcome to Hungry Women at Work. Hey, Navelia Malloy. It's so good to be as Kati. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, um, f- for our listeners who might be wondering why I'm already having a laugh, um, Rochelle is a good friend of mine and someone I've known for many years. And so, before we started the interview, we were just having a jolly old laugh on what her day and her life and her reality looks like right now. And um, Rochelle, one thing that always excites me about our guests on Hungry Women at Work is the diverse set of experience that each one brings to the conversation. And you, mm-hmm. Rochelle Jacobs, you describe yourself as a fusion of many different roles. And just listening to you speak about all those roles earlier, I mean, I'm exhausted just hearing them. <laughs> let alone living them. Uh, But one of your key roles is that you are a statistics lecturer at the University of Western Cape. So um, coming into this conversation, I wanted to impress the statistician with a stat of my own. So I did some (laughs) Googling and um, I was trying to find an interesting stat about women in statistics. And, you know, the irony is... um, I couldn't find any statistics on women in statistics in South Africa. So that made me a little bit nervous. But I did find, I found a stat um, on Forbes.com that suggested that up until a few years ago, that there are actually um, 53% of the statisticians in America are female. So there are more women statisticians than men. Um, Is that statistic of relevance to South Africa? Is that reflected here? Well, sweetie, you know, funny that you mentioned that. In our department alone, actually, we are mostly females. However, if I must think about worldwide, I would say there's definitely more male statisticians than female statisticians. But in our country specifically, uh, this skill set is a real rarity for us alone. We've struggled now for about two years or three years to find a professor just in statistics to to, to fill a gap in our department. We haven't been able to. And sure. our request went worldwide. So I wow. think there is definitely a gap in my mind, uh, definitely not 50-50 in South Africa. Sure. And and how, so how is it being a woman in academia and especially in such a, a niche sector? Um, and would you, I mean, you're saying now that you're struggling to, to find those roles filled, especially at a, at a senior position level. But do you think that um, the stats are changing over the years or have they relatively remained the same? I do think, Navelia, the stats is changing. I just think it it's taking longer than one would really like it to take because, you know, with in academia, you've got the researcher 
And that person generally focuses on producing new knowledge. But within uh, the academia, you also have to do some academic housekeeping, if I can put it like that. Okay. Um, that is just serving on different committees. And it really takes a lot of uh, your time, the administrative duties that an academic has. And you'll find that a lot of the times, the female academics tend to do the house more than the male academics. And for me personally, I think that has an influence on the time it takes to get to a certain professional scholarly level, if I can put it like that. Sure. So um, how? why is that? Is that just, so you said the female academics tend to do the housework um, in academia, but why do you think that is? Is it just like a skill set based? Is it because the men are not putting up their hands for it? I think there's a the historical dynamic to it. I think historically there was definitely more males in the academia and definitely in my discipline there was more males. But I think over time, and, and like I mentioned to you, I think it just takes long for the female to get to a point where they want to be. Bearing in mind the, the motherhood dynamic of a female influences the time it takes to get to a certain point. And I think almost it's just... Uh, for me, I would say to myself, okay, I will be, uh, I'll serve on the training committee um, and I'll serve you in there because actually I don't have time to sit and do research and go to different conferences and expose myself to a lot of the world of knowledge out there. Sure. Because it just takes sure. much time. There's, there's geographical things that you need to consider as a woman, especially if you're a woman that's a mother. So yeah, it's all those factors I think that one has to take into consideration. However, I must say, if you're a young female and you know you're focused and driven and you want to be an academic and a researcher in whichever discipline you choose, I think you can probably reach certain levels at a very, very young age. But that's mm-hmm. obviously if, you, if that's your focus. Um, I think with our country's legacy, a lot of us that, you know, lived through a previous dispensation, we only realize later in life kind of who you are, probably because I'm not, I don't want to say we were suppressed or whatever, because I have my own thinking around that whole era of yeah. our lives in yeah. this country. But I think in general, I feel like a lot of us only discover later really who we are and what we are meant to do. And then you, you try and orientate yourself to who you now discovered you are. So it's all of that different dynamics that one has to look at. You can't just make, I don't think you can make like an absolute statement yeah. Um, about yeah. it. Sure. Mm. So, I mean, you've touched on something that's, uh, it's a global issue. There's just this conversation around working mothers and, um, the, I mean, I read an article a few weeks ago on the myth of balance for working mothers because there is no such thing mm. as balance. But um, do, you, do you feel that because of the maternal role, the other household responsibilities, the family roles that you carry, that this has had an impact on your career trajectory versus that of a male counterpart? Well, definitely it has an impact because of the fact that there is certain things that takes your time. Yeah. Working with a baby in your tummy for nine months <laughs> and then giving birth and having that maternal experience, that takes physical, actual time. Yeah. And that's the time that your male counterpart maybe has to, you know, get better in his skill or craft or whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah. And, and, and how do we... How do we fix that? I mean, so, I mean, you, you spoke about the younger females with not those many familial responsibilities, right? And that at least it might be a smoother journey for them. But uh, for those of 
us or those women who are in this realm and have the many roles, how can we start changing this or is that a pipe dream? You know, Navelia, in my mind, for me personally, I embrace the design that God has made me to be, and that is a female, and the way in which he basically purposed a woman to live. So sure. for me, I'm embracing that. So in okay. my mind, when I approach whatever I do in life, I recalibrate to that all the time. Mm. Um, just if I'm making an example for you, when I registered to do the master's in math- mathematical statistics I fell pregnant with Matthew but I already registered so at the end of the master's I I got an A symbol from a one professor and I got a C symbol for one from another professor and I ended up with passing with a B now in my mind I had to tell myself you know what Rochelle I accept the 70% for this mark because in context of what I'm busy with I'm doing a master's in a numeric field I'm pregnant with a baby I just gave birth to another baby the year before and she was a baby that had a very unique allergy the only child that's allergic to chicken in the world (laughs) and the dynamic of that you know that dynamic I had to accept so for me I was quite happy with the context in in obtaining a B symbol for my master's degree for me it really ends up with the individual or the female themselves Uh, you could be the, the mother and the female that says, no, but my career is important. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to accept nights. I'm going to travel wherever. I'm going to keep up with the males and do whatever it is that they do so that I can achieve what they achieve. Or you could be the mother, the female that says, well, I'm a mother and that's important to me. So in sure. terms of the time I have available, how am I going to split this time? How am I going to split this pie? What am I going to do? What is more important? And for me, I mean, there's an order of importance. It would be... My family first, definitely. Yep. There's yep. no old boss. So if there's a conference that I've got funded for uh, to attend and uh, it's something important like my daughter's first dance sure. recital and it's a big deal for her, I'm going to say, no, thank you for that 50000 I'm going to go sure. with my daughter's first dance recital because that memory is more important yeah. to me. Do, do you understand? Absolutely. It really depends on the female, on, on, on the woman and what her values is, what that drives her, that makes her feel like, you know, that's purpose, that's life, that fulfills her, that brings her joy, irrespective of that thing. So it really depends on the individual. I think I'm somebody that shies away from making absolute statements and giving seven turfs or ten rules or, you know, <laughs> for, for people because, you know, your life and the journey that you go through in your life, there's things that happen. And if you're clever enough, you, tr- you, you try and learn by the things that happen. So your cumulative knowledge it's, it's relative to the context within which you are placed. And each one of us are yeah. so unique. Yeah. And we have so so many unique influences in our lives. And if I just look at that mixture of events through life, I can't make blanket statements. I can really just speak to my life. And then if there is pearls or wisdom that come from the logic and the thinking and the rational, then, yay, take it. You know, take sure. it for yourself then. Goosebumps, lady. No, I really, really appreciate and salute your perspective. And I think it's something for so many of us, because I I know, especially for us as women, there's just this, the the curse of comparison that sits, you Mm -hmm. know, with us wherever we go. Um, And I mean, you and I were speaking about that a little bit earlier, um, before we started the interview, which is just this, um, you know, wherever we go as, as women, we are constantly or inadvertently comparing ourselves, whether it's wittingly or unwittingly, you know, 
Uh, where is she at in her career? How is she parenting differently to mine? Um, how's her relationship or her bank balance or her finances looking? And so I think what you're saying about just um, running your own race, you know, at, this is me, this is the journey that I am on and embracing that in its fullness instead of constantly doing this comparison thing is, is very powerful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you do have a lot of roles in your life um, and you've spoken on some of them already. And, I mean, while you're doing all of this and if that's not enough, you're also a student who's doing your PhD <laughs> in statistics <laughs> with a focus on survival analysis. I mean, it just sounds awesome oh. to say it, survival analysis. <laughs> it, it feels, <laughs> it feels like... <laughs> <laughs> I cannot go into an interview and not do my what I call my stalking, my background stalking on the guests on the show. <laughs> so I, I mean, just reading reading your your website, um, and I'll, I'll give um, the listeners the link afterwards because it actually is a site worth reading. And well done for being able to do that amidst everything else. Um, <laughs> you, there's so much on the go, but. How do you be a student and a working mom? Um, how do you have all these? I mean, your your role is so niche. A PhD is a big deal in and of itself. How do you make sure that none of the balls drop? Or when the balls drop, what is the what is the backup plan? What is the fallback plan? And and how do you schedule your week? Is actually what I want to know because. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I can't even think about studying further because I just think, yo, I don't even have time for hobbies. Why would I want to squeeze studying into a jam-packed life? But you have done that <laughs> and I, I salute you for that. But so how do you, how do you pri prioritize your week, your day? You know, sweetie, let me just tell you what I did with the master's when I was working full time, right? Then I was working full time and I was a master's student and pregnant with my, my second child, right? <laughs> so, what, what, okay. I mean, and that was working in the financial services sector, uh, a sector where if you do not deliver your model or your deliverables, you get fined a million rand. So, that's a lot of pressure wow. to not be on time, type of thing, you know? So, dynamic, wow. what works for me. What worked for me there was just fusing what is common. So my my master's was on my actual work that I do. So it's not when I work, I'm actually doing research. So, you know, I try to fuse. Essence, that's what I want to say. I try and fuse. So right now, I'm an academic and my I teach distribution theory. And my background in the financial services was measuring time to some event happening. It was measuring time to the bank losing money. Okay. So now that I, I, I am in academia, so it's, it's part of my prerogative to read. So now I'm just with a PhD. I'm literally gear, directing my reading into survival analysis. And survival analysis is all about measuring time to events, time to wow. events. So I'm going to research in an area that I'm kind of already in fusion, I think, for me, works in, in creating that juggling. Of <laughs> finding sure. the common things that could work for your life. And obviously, it has, to, uh, it has to resonate with you as a person, with your passions, with your interests, with what, what keeps you awake without having somebody to force you awake, you know, yeah, yeah, to do yeah. it. It has to, looking, looking at that common thread in yourself and then uh, fusing it. If, if there's so many things in your life, finding the common thing and fusing it. I would say. 
yeah, that's, uh, I'm already starting, as you were speaking, I'm thinking, okay, what aspects of my life can I start fusing immediately? Because I feel like that's a missing link in my life right now. And um, a golden thread, Nana. It's a golden thread. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Lady, um, a watershed movement in South Africa over the past three to four years has been the student movement Fees Must Fall. And it's had a, a huge impact on our academic landscape, um, on tertiary studies and Often the views on the movement are quite polarized. Now, you are both an academic and a student. So I would really be keen to hear your thoughts on Fees Must Fall as someone who straddles between both worlds. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Fees Must Fall, um, the the agenda is definitely good and authentic. I definitely don't agree with the way in which, you know, they kind of express their concerns. What Fees Must Fall did for me as an academic, it really made me realize the real, real issues that students face. Not that I, you know, can't resonate because I come from the, you know, the humble beginnings and the difficulty, you know, through life to just be a student. But it definitely highlighted that for me again um, as an academic to just be more, uh, um, you know, empathetic and sensitive and conscious of uh, certain students maybe travel two or three hours before they get to campus sure. or pass a test. Sure. And, you know, just to understand that dynamic and, 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 and be compassionate with the students. Um, it definitely also affected um, them also negatively because what it for me in, for example, the second year distribution theory course that I teach, currently this year, I still have students that entered my course three years ago because they entered my course with a, a continuous mark. They didn't write the final exam because of the fees must fall. And that gave them the false sense wow. of academic ability to actually do a mathematical course that they weren't properly assessed on. So now Whoa. they've kind of, you know, drizzled through three years of doing a mathematical course that they're not probably prepared for. And I think that for me is a sad thing uh, to realize, um, but that's an impact. Um, academically that fees must fall has had um, specifically on my course on the students that that took my course then. As a student I don't think I was affected because uh, PhD is you know you have to have the discipline yourself to study yourself doesn't matter. Personally for me Navilia I actually don't think uh, maybe in the future we'll have this thing where people can actually show and they can uh, they can be measured in some independent way that they have a certain level of knowledge because learning on a PhD level that is uh, you have to do it on your own in your own time you have to have that self-discipline so anything that happens in life uh, it wouldn't affect me if I don't want it to affect me so these muscles didn't affect me as a student uh, doing Mm -hmm. a PhD Definitely did not. We're sure. in a global society, and we've got access to the internet. I mean, they didn't, they didn't um, protest the internet, so uh, didn't affect me at all. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. Okay. That's that's a very healthy perspective. Thank you for giving us that insight. Um, and yeah, for our listeners who are maybe not familiar with the the movement, I really would encourage you to Google Fees Must Fall. Um, it started off as a cry from students for a more inclusive and accessible um, higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken on a life of its own. So, mm-hmm. Lady, before, before you were in academia and you've already mentioned, you were in corporate. And I know one of your career highlights was that in your role as a banker, you were able to save the bank through your skill. You saved the bank millions of rands. I mean, gosh, talk about a performance bonus if I ever saw one. If I had to tell my boss, I just saved you millions of rands. I really would want my name 
on the wall permanently in that organization. Um, but <laughs> but um, you've had to reinvent yourself quite a few times mm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what Can you share some of the principles or attitudes that helps one to reinvent oneself? Um, thinking of women who are in a state of transition or going into new roles, uh, what should we be thinking about when it's, showing up to a new space um, and presencing ourselves there um, and making an impact there? You know, Navili, I think we as women, we have an, an in-house machine learning algorithm. So as you project... <laughs> okay, wait, life, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> in-house machine learning yeah. algorithm. Yes. So I and think this is why I love this job, eh? This is why I love this job, <laughs> what i'm trying to say navelia that as you go through your life i think you if you are if you are the type of person that wants to learn by your mistakes you will learn and over time the more and more you learn about yourself adapt and adjust if you also obviously wise enough to want to do that um you adapt and adjust and you grow into basically the ultimate self that you are supposed to be. And I think that journey is something that happens throughout your life. Sure. So, yeah, that, 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 that's my viewpoint. I, w- I wouldn't say re- maybe reinvent. It's, it's almost like define, just getting closer and closer to my purpose, identity, hmm. if I can say it like that. Um, I mean, there's still other things I want to do after uh, my kids are big enough and not interested in having me so much in their life. I still want to go and travel the world with dancers and be part of a company, even if I just wow. do the admin for them or the logistics. Wow. I still want to do that as some part of my life in my 50s. I don't know, my 50s or my 60s. So, yeah. <laughs> I, that I want to do just to relax through life and wow. I'll take it as a traveling opportunity as well. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> you, um, Rishal, you mentioned earlier about a little bit of a throwback to your um, humble beginnings, and I, I just want to want to land us um, there with that. Um, so you are from a community in the on the Cape Flats, as it's called, called Haderfeld. A township, actually. A township yes, called Haderfeld. Yeah. <laughs> So I can't someone, believe it, I never knew. Yeah, no, I it's news to me too, hey. I must say it really is news to me too. And I'm pretty sure for all of us, um, because I'm I'm from the township of Balhar, um <laughs> on the Cape <laughs> Flats. And I know there were some of us more hoity toities who would really not love the label or appreciate the label of township vibes to us. But in reality, <laughs> in terms of the kind of um infrastructure, the kind of access to resources that we did not yeah. have, you know, is what is what would lead to that definition. Um, and your yeah. story, your story is is radically different because for a lot of young people from Hedefeld, the trajectory ends in drug or substance abuse. It ends in gangsterism. It ends in um, criminal activity. Uh, but there are mm-hmm. there are a few others also who that is not their trajectory and and you are one of them. So what what makes your story so different? What encouragement do you have to that child in in Hedefeld or an area like Hedefeld, um, who's feeling the burden of lack of access, uh, lack of resourcing? What would you say to them? You know, Navelia, obviously in my ignorance as a youngster, I just tend 
tended towards spending time with my books. That was my go-to. Um, sure. I mean, that's not a natural inclination for many people, but no, I no, would say not. to a young person that 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 is in a poverty-stricken township or community that is living in a house uh, with drugs and gangsterism, I would I would I would say try and identify for yourself what it is that helps you to get your mind out of the muck around you. For me, maths was that yep. thing. For somebody else, it might be dancing or singing or rapping or whatever it is that takes you out of it. And then I would tell that person to put all the energy and passion into that thing. And I almost want to quote Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour yeah. rule, but I don't technically agree with him. But I mean, spend all your time and effort into that thing that, that you're passionate about. Uh, I think that will help you on, on, on changing that trajectory. Yeah. That's powerful, lady. Spend all your time on the thing that gets you out of the muck and the dire circumstances. Sure, yeah. it's powerful. I have um, a lot more that I'd like to say, but in the interest of time, um, knowing your schedule, um, I'm going to transition to the last part of our interview. It's a section called Rapid Fire. As I mentioned mm -hmm. to you um beforehand this is a very quick section so i throw a question at you and you just answer the first thing that comes to mind and it can be as short and punchy as you'd like it to be are you ready okay yes go for it a song that always gets you through the day hunger bunny cole and david binion <laughs> a book that's changed the way you think about work outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm, nice. <laughs> Love it. A gadget or app that helps you work smarter? My brain. And obviously Google Calendar's Fusion app that brings both my husband and mine and my church's calendar together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I just needed to take a moment because only a statistician and a maths brain can say, my brain. Brain is the gadget that helps me work smarter. <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, your advice, <laughs> your advice to your younger self. Um, you love motherhood, so have maximum focus on your intellectual curiosity and your career. <laughs> Three things that keep you centered. Love, family and purpose. One thing you do to overcome distraction. to my life can chat <laughs> I just go back to the structure sure how do you keep your soul in check I recalibrate to the word of the Lord your advice to younger working women embrace the great designers expression of your womanhood your advice to senior women leaders don't feel threatened to give the credit and the recognition to whom it is due. <laughs> On that note, Rochelle Jacobs, what a treat to have um, gotten a bit of access to that gadget that helps you work smarter, i.e. your brain. Um, if I, <laughs> I, I want to share your website um, with our listeners. Um, that's rochellejacobs.wixsite.com and you spell the Rochelle, R-E-C-H-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, jacobs.wixsite.com.
It has been an absolute privilege, um, laughter-filled pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for making time. Thank you for fusing us into your very busy calendar. <laughs> and um, we look forward to featuring you on the show again in future. Ah, Navelia, thanks for having me. It was awesome just to chat with you and to connect with you again. I hope this is going to be awesome for your podcast channel. <laughs> is that correct? Is it a podcast channel? Yeah, it is, exactly sure. that. it is exactly that. <laughs> Thank you so much, lady. Much appreciated. Okay, sweetie. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was sponsored by Audiodacious your audio content solutions partner. Give your brand a voice with Audiodacious for podcasting, IVR and audio content solutions. Check us out at audiodacious.com. I was part of a conversation recently about how we can encourage young people from previously disadvantaged backgrounds to reach their full potential. I thought it would make a really great listener question. And so I threw that in as part of the interview with Rochelle, who herself comes from humble beginnings. I thought her answer was phenomenal. She said, Identify for yourself what it is that helps you get your mind out of the muck around you and focus on developing or growing that. Another friend of mine said what got him through his childhood of poverty was a commitment he made to himself to be the last person in his family who couldn't afford to buy shoes. He kept his eye on the future and that kept him going. I'd love to hear your thoughts. How can we break the cycle of poverty and how can we encourage young people from disadvantaged backgrounds or less than ideal backgrounds to fulfill their purpose in life? Talk to us on WhatsApp on plus two seven six zero nine two one six nine seven seven or on Instagram at Hungry Woman at Work. And please, please, please remember to subscribe to our channels on iTunes, SoundCloud, Iono FM or Play FM. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining me and till next time, keep thriving without losing your soul. Mm-hmm.